0: Well, good morning. It is really exciting to be here. It's, um, it's a mixed blessing when I get to preach. I love it. I get so excited. But then, the God, then then our God comes along and he puts his thumb on something and he pushes and he squeezes like a really sore wound and he, and he says to me, yeah, well, you want to preach, you've got to get rid of, well, you know, we've got to clean this little wound out. So it's a mixed blessing and the last couple of weeks have been quite a, um, quite a challenge but God is good. And I've been enjoying the series that Howard has had us doing uh, for lots of reasons. Because it's a, a, I grew up in a church where women were not allowed to speak, and, and so I had all sorts of challenges there. So I doing this series and, and having to look at this and having to challenge some of my deeper thinking. You know, I, I know what the word says, and I know that that, that God has released us to speak. But, you know, when you've been brought up in something and you've been taught it for the first 25 years of your life, it's really hard to try and pull those weeds out from way down deep and, um, and to get them out and, and be able to actually relax in what God's doing. But I read the scripture this morning and I, I just want to read it to us. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Today, I am going to give our videographer no time to sit still. Welcome those of you on Zoom and have fun, Isaac, following me around. Okay, good. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to our prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And this is a pretty apt, this is from 1 Peter, but it's a pretty apt description of what was going on back in the time when Huldah comes onto the scene. Now, I was foolish. I'm not very often foolish. I'm quite often foolish. But I was foolish. And when Howard told us, as a a preachers team, that we were going to be doing Woman in the Bible, and he said, look, all of you, choose a, a woman. Choose a female from Scripture, preferably the Old Testament. But choose someone from Scripture that you would like to teach on and speak through. And I tell you, I scratched my head for weeks. And I thought, I've done Rahab. I've done Mary, the mother of Jesus. I'm not really keen on Ruth, Esther I never really understood, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I, you know and, then, and then slowly everybody else was taking names and they were coming up on the email list and, you know, this one had that one and that one had this one and I, and I was last. And I then went, I was in, in Howard's office and I said, look, I can't, I don't know, give me someone and he leaned back in his chair, I thought he was gonna fall over backwards, but he leaned back in his chair and he kinda had his hands on his head like this and he he said, Hilda, who, Hilda, I've never heard of her, I mean, Hilda Ogden, you know, I coulda, now every single one of you that laugh, you have got to repent from watching Coronation Street. I watched it with my grandmother when I was little and Hilda Ogden, you know, there she is in her scarf and her husband's name was Stan And I thought, and I asked Howard, "Can I start with a video clip of Hilda?" He said, "No." (laughs) So Hulda, not Hilda, but Hulda. Hulda came in a time when there was absolute turmoil. But to talk about Hulda, we have to go back a little bit. See, Hulda came up, and she's only mentioned in Scripture basically once. It's recorded in Chronicles, and it's recorded in Kings, And, and both passages are almost word for word identical. And there's Hilda. And I said to Howard, it doesn't tell us anything about her. It doesn't tell me a single thing about what she, you know. And he said, work it out. And then, you know, about three weeks out from when I had to speak last week at Honorahi, uh, he said, well, if you want to change, you can change. I said, too late, but I still don't know what I'm doing. And as I spent time with Hulda and looked, and I started to look at the history and the things that were happening in Judah at that time, King David had been on the throne, his son Solomon had taken over, and then Solomon's son, what's his name? And as they kept coming on down, the kings began to get really, really evil. And they began to do things and turn their back completely on the things of God. And scripture tells us that after 16 kings, or the 16th king was King Josiah. Now King Josiah was a mere eight years old. Let's not Unusual in, in biblical times. It's act, actually not e- unusual, even um, in in more recent history, uh, like in the last hundred years or so. If you go back and Google and look at who the youngest king is, you find that somebody was um, ready to be or, or named as king when he was only months old, and the regent took the place. So, you know, king. I thought King Josiah was pretty unusual, but apparently not. And so he was eight years old, and he now has to take over the throne from his father. His father was a wicked, evil king, and his father before him. And they had ruined the land, they had destroyed the temples, they had brought about utter destruction. Everything was decimated. The temple that had been built and as a place to honor and worship God had now been filled up with idols, with, um, with prostitution, with uh, sacrificing of babies, with, with worship to these gods, that were hopefully going to bring you know, the gods of fertility and all of these things had been brought into the temple of God. It had been decimated. It was no longer the place where the one true living God dwelled and lived. And this is where what Josiah inherited, our eight-year-old king. Now, scriptures tell us that Josiah took over from his dad because his father died. But it doesn't actually tell us what happened to Josiah's mother. And as I've been spending some time looking at Jewish writings and reading some of Jewish, Jewish, slow down, reading some of Jewish, I can't even, am I saying it right? Reading some of Jewish writings, that just sounds funny in my ears up here, and looking at that stuff and the things that were written and the traditions and things from, Jewish, from Jews history, I'm feeling like I'm having a Billy T. James moment and I need to find another word. It is possible and probable that his mother was still alive, and she was still there. And according to Jewish tradition, his mother, whose name I've forgotten momentarily, but his mother um, was a worshiper of God, and his mother did honor and love God. And even though her husband, or Josiah's father, was doing all these things that were dishonoring and running down God's temple to ruin, his mother, quietly in the background as she was allowed, was teaching him the word of God. And was teaching him the principles and the ways of God. I don't know that she would have had a scroll or anything with the actual written, but she was giving him an oral, uh, head-to-head uh, education on what the uh, on living the ways in ways that please God. And so that that that's not written in Scripture. That is only from Jewish tradition and writings and the things that I've read there. So take it or leave it. The scripture doesn't tell us when she lived, when she died. But I think that's quite a probable way of looking at things. So King Josiah steps up to the throne. He has the high priest Hilkiah over his head and working with him and guiding him and and as a regent in the area. Father, take the words and bury them in our hearts and help me to slow down in Jesus' name, puts his hand over and his covering, and he works with Josiah. And the scripture tells us that Josiah, at the age of 16, decided to, to clean out the temple, to, to clean up everything that was there. He had been king for eight years. He was starting to move into taking over some of the kingship, taking over some of the big decisions. And the first thing that he wanted to do was clean out the temple. And so he goes down there, and the scriptures tell us that Josiah began to destroy and break down the idols and the other things that were kept and the things that we people were treasuring. And he began to start a very slow reformation throughout the land. He wanted these things taken down. He wanted the true God of Israel, the true God of Judah, brought back into the throne and brought back into the center of their worship and of their life. He was 16. And as he started to do this, this boy king, this now teen king, found that he came across many challenges. I mean, the people. For generations, the people had been worshiping these false gods. Scripture, if you look into the scriptures that were written around that time, you look at Jeremiah, you look at Zephaniah, some of these people, you will see that the people had had given themselves completely over. They thoroughly believed in the gods of fertility to the gods of, of the land and the peoples around them. They had completely lost sight of the one true living God. So Josiah had his work cut out. And as he started to do this, the, the scriptures tell us that when he was about 22 years old he started the rebuilding of the temple. He had spent this time slowly trying to get rid of all the the idols and the rubbish and clean out things and he had now a team of workers that were in there and we're told that they raised up money and they gave them to all the different foremen that were in charge of different areas and they didn't you know he didn't put a, a mandate on them that you must account to me. He just said, here this is yours. Go for it. Rebuild the temple. And he got these guys in there and they started cleaning it out. And when they were cleaning out the temple, when they were taking out the idols, when they were destroying and breaking, he didn't just take them out and put them in a pile outside the city. He totally destroyed them. He decimated them. Smashed them to bits. And guess what? Not one of them sought vengeance. Not one of those dead idols raised up and said, they they were just dead. That's pretty amazing, not. But as he was doing this, the scriptures tell us that the workmen found a scroll. They found some writings in the temple. And it was buried under a bunch of rubble. It was was buried right down. It had been lost for generations. Jewish writings tell us that this was probably the book of Deuteronomy. Other scholars say it was the first five books of the law. I don't know. They just found a book that was very vital and very important and something that was worth looking at. It was taken to the king. And the king's man, this is why we have readers, so that I don't have to remember how to pronounce their names. Shaphan um, went and he read the scroll to Josiah. And as Josiah heard the words that were written, scriptures tell us, He tore his clothes and he fell to his knees. The scripture tells us that Josiah heard the word of the Lord and repented. Isn't that an absolutely wonderful description of what we do, you and I? We hear the word of the Lord and we repent and we turn to God. Brothers and sisters, if you are not sharing the word of the Lord with those around you, you are denying them opportunity to turn to God. So Josiah was read those scriptures, and he said to Hilkiah the priest, to Ahim, to Akbor, to Shaphan, and Isaiah and he sent them to, the, to find a prophet. He said, go find a prophet. Now, in that day, there was Jeremiah, there was Zephaniah, two, two fairly well-known prophets, two of the big guns, you know, they were, they were generals in the prophet world. uh, Jeremiah had only only really received his anointing uh, when Josiah was maths teachers, my brain's just lost it, about 21, anyway. I'm not going to tell you the figures now because then you'll get me wrong. But about 13 years into Josiah's reign, um, Jeremiah was called as a prophet and he began his ministry. Zephaniah was a cousin of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was the son of Hilkiah, the high priest, that was overseeing and looking after the young king, Josiah. So Josiah said to them, I want you to find me a prophet. Find me someone who can tell me what this means. And those men went, and they went off to find a prophet. Now, the Bible says that they did not go to Jeremiah, they did not go to Zephaniah. They did not even go, there was another one, I can't remember his name. They didn't go to any of them. They went to the new quarter. It says here, they went to the new quarter of Jerusalem to consult with the prophet Huldah, the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, son of Haras, the keeper of the temple wardrobe. And she said to them, the high priest we see them in the movies and they have those hats and they have those things on their front and I used to know all the names and they have their robes and the bells and the tinkly things all around them and they walk around. The high priest went to a woman who's only named once in scripture. She was respected, she was known. She was already known throughout the community. She wasn't just some fly in the dark, someone that they he met down there. The scripture says that she lived in the new quarter of Jerusalem. When I did research on that, the new quarter of Jerusalem was the place where the educated people were. It was where the scholars were. It was the place of the university. It was the place of study. Of all the things there, Huldah was a teacher. She taught and she worked, and now some writings uh, will tell you that she only taught the children. Others will tell you that she taught open-air anybody that would listen. Huldah was a respected and well-known teacher in the area, and she was also respected and known as a prophet. Otherwise, the high priest would not have even gone near her. But he went there, and he spoke to her, and she had a word. Now, some teachers and some writings will tell you that Huldah, they went to her because she was a woman, and she would be more merciful, and she would be kind, and she would be gentle with this prophecy, this word that they'd been taken. Well, had Huldah done anything to turn what the Lord said to her, it would have been probably death on the spot for her. It was a severe thing. It is a severe thing to attribute to God what is only of man, or to attribute to man what is completely of God. So Huldah spoke the truth. I am going to bring disaster to this city. And she spoke of this. And she said to them, take this word that I have told you back to the man who sent you. Hilda's a funny name, okay? It's not Hilda, it's Hulda, And Halda means weasel. Now, everything in me, when I, when I think of someone and I think, man, he's a weasel, not a, you know, it's a very derogatory term. It's something where I'm putting someone down. And this bothered me. You know, there's only one person in my, my memory that I've really thought of as a weasel. And, and I can't put Holder and this person in the same <laughs> place. And as I got to thinking about this, and I was looking through it, and I thought about it, and you know what? Just because we, in our culture, in our time, look and think a weasel is something pretty sneaky, crafty, bad, you know, you don't want to hang out with that weasel, you know all that sort of stuff, and often they, act, you know, they actually even look like weasels. So I thought, let's do, let's look at this, let's see if we can find something, and I did. I looked and I hunted, and, and it actually was the full pots that found something that helped me out. Give credit where credit's due; they were watching a children's video. <laughs> um, and on this, it said that a weasel was a very clever, smart creature. A weasel is a creature that must eat every day or it will die. And the weasel is busy, the weasel never rests, it's racing around, it's always about its business. But it also you know, that the weasel must eat every day or it will die. And it like it, it linked that to holder must spend time every day in the word of God as a prophet as a teacher or that gifting, that anointing, that power that she had, will die. And I thought, well, I'll take that, because that's sure better than calling him a weasel. Hey, I don't know. But that was the meaning of her name, and I found it interesting. So the message was taken back, and the words of Huldah were shared with King Josiah. And he was told... I will not send, after all the words that she said, the Lord said directly for Josiah, I will not send the promised disaster until you have died and been buried in peace. You will not see disaster. I am going to bring, the, the disaster I'm going to bring on this city. And they took that message back to the king. The message that God entrusted to Huldah to give to Josiah was one of the key points in bringing about the Deuteronomic Reformation, a time when the land was swept clean, when things were tossed out, Josiah had begun, but when Huldah presented her message from God to Josiah, based on the scriptures that they had found, he went back at it with absolute earnest. He went in there like fuel had been put on the fire and he went in and he was absolutely adamant and busy and flat out the place was going to be cleaned. And he did everything possible to clean out the kingdom of Judah. And he wiped out every idol, everything that the people had been relying on that was not God. And I I thought about this and I looked around you know, and I look around at our land, I look around at, at our world, that must break God's heart. You know, even us as the people of God, the things that we give more time to than our God, we place in higher regard. Oh, that can't be true. Come on. So I just spent 20 hours watching. <laughs> that thought shouldn't have come into my head. Watching my favourite movies on TV. Or I just spent. Just trying to think, because I don't actually have a TV. You know? I just spent this is mine, I just spent three hours playing this stupid game on my phone. When was the last time I spent three hours alone with the scripture and my God? Which one am I worshipping? Which one am I holding up there as my God? Lord, please don't ask me to get rid of my cell phone. What do we hold to? What is it in us? What is it in our corner? You can guarantee that if you start spending some time with God and ask Him, you know, God our Father, Jesus Christ, the things that distract me, and as long as I'm looking at these things that distract me, I cannot see my right hand. As soon as I move them out of the way and bring God into the focus, those things that distract me become a blur and out of my focus, and I can't see them. Even my sin, even the sins that I, you know, I I look with Romans, with Paul, and I say, Lord, the things that I want to do I do not do, and the things that I don't want to do I do. And it's destroying me, I don't want to do this, Lord, how do I beat that sin? Bring Jesus into focus. And there is nothing that the nearness of Christ won't cure. There is nothing that the nearness of Christ won't hide and take away. I don't mean hide as in put it in my back pocket for when I'm in secret. I mean hide as in remove, take from us. But you and I have to choose Christ. Oh, you're saved, I'm saved, yes. But I have to choose him every day. Moment because every moment new thoughts come barraging into my mind and distractions and things. I have to do a Josiah, I have to take the words of Huldah the prophet and say, No, I won't stand for this. I am going to put my focus on Christ, I am going to clear out everything in this temple for we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to clear it out and I'm going to turn my eyes to Christ. But guess what? The enemy is not going to like it. So don't be discouraged if he kicks up some dirt and says, I'm not going to let you. Before I preached at Onarahi, the week before I preached there, that was one of the worst weeks for a long time. Satan riled up all these things and said, ha, you can't preach, you've been fat. You can't preach, look at this. Oh, look at this corner under here. You know, lift up your liver and see what's under here. You can't preach. It was horrible. I rung friends and said, Pray for me. I don't think I can preach on Sunday. Friends, when you know that one any, any one of our preachers that's up here, any one that's going in the front, front row of ministry, pray for us, pray for them. Because we can't do it. We get barraged like crazy. We need you. This is a team ministry. Go to the king king of Judah, who sent you to seek the Lord, and tell him, this is what the Lord of Israel says concerning the message you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself. What I said against the city and its people and this land will become cursed and desolate. But you tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. Take it seriously. Anything that God is putting on your heart to clean out, to sort with, to deal with with him, take it seriously, brothers and sisters. Because disaster is coming. It is coming. And our Lord will return for those who belong to him. And to some he will say, "Uh uh-uh, I never knew you. Don't be one of them. We had another reading this morning from Peter, and I want to just quickly look at it. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This read, this writing in Peter, if you look through the, the book of First Peter, you will discover that um, he has written... Uh, let me see back here, he's given his greetings, he's walked, talked about holy living, he's um, written to the slaves, and he's written to us to respect people in authority, and then he's written to the wives, in chapter 3, and then he's written to the husbands, in this, you, know, you wives must accept authority. you husbands must honour your wives, and then he's written to all believers, And then, he's talking about how we live for God. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. That is you and me and every single one of us who lives and breathes. God has given you a gift. Now, when I was a kid, that gift was just for the men. I went to my Sunday school superintendent when I was eight years old, it's funny, that I just clicked that's the same age as when Josiah became king. But I went to my superintendent and I said, um, and he, he asked the normal question, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a minister. And that was all I thought about. Man, I studied the word. I, I, I attended every meeting, every teaching session, everything there was for 25 years. And I longed to teach, to preach, to be a minister. My Sunday school superintendent very kindly went like this. Chris, right down, looking me in the eye. You know, it's always serious when they do that. Or, or it's really serious when the person at the door shakes your hand and doesn't let it go. You know, but he got right down at my eye level and he said, Chris, don't worry, you'll get over it. Because you know, women aren't allowed to do that. I can pinpoint from that moment on, my world flipped upside down, and so many things began to happen for my destruction that I'm not going to even start to tell you here, but one day maybe the Lord will tell me to share. But everything turned upside down, and in me, I believed 100% that women were not allowed to preach. I listened to the preachers, And that burning never went away. And I watched. Guess what? We had women come and speak in our church, but they weren't allowed. But I was sitting probably in the second row. Ah, it's okay, Chris. They're missionary speakers. Missionary speakers are allowed to come and talk to us, even if they're women. You know why? Because there weren't very many men on the mission field. I don't know. I don't even know why I asked you why. These women didn't go off to the mission fields. I mean, our church supported a raft of missionaries. We were really missions focused and had many missionaries overseas. And these women that went, most of them, well, all of the ones that I remember were single women, and they went there. And I tell you what, they did not just teach Sunday school in Papua New Guinea, in Vanuatu, in the Philippines, in all of these places where they went, these Long time ago, when I was in my 20s, you know, they didn't just do that, they planted churches, they raised up leaders. We have our own Elaine with her fantastic testimony of the things that happened in Vietnam that has impacted me so much whenever I hear her speak. And it started to just you know, the screws and the things kept popping out of this box that had been clamped down that said women were not allowed to preach. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power and all glory and power to him. I was thinking I had to say an honor, but it's not there. To him forever and ever. Amen. Now, as I grew up, I read this. Do you men have the gift of speaking? Then speak. Do you women have the gift of helping others? Then help others. And, and just automatically in my mind, that's what it meant. You know, we always think of the helps gifts. Well, that's the woman. The speaking gifts, that's got to be the men. It's wrong, and I'm still taking nails out of that box. I haven't grasped it completely way down in my gut, but I know that God called me to speak. You might disagree, because you're having to listen, but I know it with every part of my being. It's what, I, it's what I live and breathe and long to do. It's the thing that lights my fire. It's the only thing that gets me excited. Do you have the gift of helping others? No, I don't. It, it just people. get no. And then guess what? I married Bjorn, this big strapping Danish sailor. Now, in my, my first marriage, my husband died in my first marriage after six years, and in my first marriage, he was the preacher. He was the one that was up there. He was speaking, he, and he could sing and play guitar, and he was up there doing it, you know, And I had to be the quiet wife that asked questions when we got home. (laughs) My second marriage to Bjorn, whom you all know. Look, Bjorn was in his his, um, Bible college production at the end of the year. And he had one line that he had to say. And he stood up the front with his one line. And and when it was time, all the Bible college students walked out. Now I have to confess I quit two weeks before because I didn't want to be in the production and because they said that if you were going to graduate as a female you had to wear a dress and I thought, blow you, I don't want to graduate and then I quit. But um, Bjorn was up there and he had one line, okay? And it came out there and he was out there and he was standing like this and this is all he had to do was stand like this and oh man, he looked good. We weren't married then but he looked good. And he's standing there like this And it came time for him to say his line, and he went, Now we had practiced it over and over and over, and I was over there, and I'm going, because I knew his line, and he's, Now the good part, somebody in the audience yelled out, God forgot his line, because Bjorn's part in the play was God. And he was standing there as God, and all he had to say was children come home, and God forgot his line. He was not a speaker. He did not like being up the front. So don't ask him to take that gift. But for Bjorn, do you have the gift of helping others? Man, flip over backwards. He would do anything for anyone. He would help anyone in any area in any time. You could call him whenever and he would be there. He had the gift of helping others. Brothers and sisters, whatever your gift is, if God gave it to you, And if he called you as a woman to speak, speak. If he called you as a man to speak, speak. If he called you with whatever gift he has given you, do it with all your might. Do it in the power and strength of God. Who am I, who are you to question the gifts that God has given to individuals and to us? Do it. Get out there. Throw aside the things that are stopping you and get out there and speak or get out there and serve. It's not for me. We do it for each other. And I've been a really long-winded speaker this morning. Forgive me. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. It's you and me, brothers and sisters. It's you and me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your gifts, and there are so many right here in this room. Help us to encourage one another to use the gifts that you've given us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.